so much. For your uh, sharing with us. Thank you, especially the people who testified and gave, uh, that's not easy to tell what's going on. We all have stuff going on. We're not all willing to confess it. We all need God's power and God's deliverance. We all have addictions. We all have a, a need for Jesus to be king. Otherwise, when we try to be king, we end up addicted to something, slaves to something, right? We could, you're going to have to serve somebody. It's going to be Jesus. It's going to be something else. So thank you for being willing to share that. And um, welcome. I didn't get a chance to say that earlier. Let's go to the... Um, I'm Pastor Steve, by the way. I didn't introduce myself. I'm the lead pastor, and Andrew and Ben were up here earlier. And uh, let's go to the Word, and let's go to prayer first. Lord, we thank you for your power. We thank you for your deliverance that takes us from what we cannot be free from, takes us from ourselves and the powers that bind us, delivers us, sets us on a new path and gives us a new way to live, not only individually but together. And Lord, we pray that you would help us now speak to us out of your word. By your power and your ability, speak what we need to hear today. And help us, Lord, to hear, listen, and follow, and obey. Amen. So, 2018 at this church is a year of increasing trust. Maybe at every place it isn't increasing trust, but here it's a year of increasing trust. We've been going through the desert. We've been on a journey. Um, we are beginning today a new series that's a part of our longer series. The new series is called God's Vision for His People. God's Vision for His People starts with God's Vision for His People, Israel. And we're going to look at the Torah. The Torah means guidance or instruction. It is the first five books of the Bible, the books of Moses we sometimes call them, the Pentateuch, some people call them. Torah means guidance. And anytime people try to give guidance, that's a good thing, but we often have a mixed reaction when somebody tries to give us guidance. Sometimes we don't like to be guided. We don't like to be instructed. And so we're going to look at guidance as a, as a good thing. In your bulletin, there's a, a message, uh, a scripture from one, Psalm 119. I'd encourage you to read all of Psalm 119. It's long. But the, the picture of the Torah and the guidance and the law there is this wonderful thing that gives freedom, that gives joy, that gives wisdom. And sometimes we don't seem to catch that um, when we think about Torah or guidance, or we often use the word law, which I think is yes, but inaccurate. Um, so my question for today as we introduce this series is, is the Torah for today? Is the Torah, especially the laws that are in those first five books, are they, are they for today, those instructions? Um, so first of all, let me catch us up. Since we're in a long series, where are we in the story? We uh, started back here. We talked about how God created everything wonderful, great uh, relationships of justice and love, and then it went 
we rebelled, went our own way, as some of the people testified, and we ended up in problems. And in the family, there was rebellion and injustice in society, between societies, and Genesis gives us that picture, and each of those is connected with a genealogy. Then it gives us a picture of God's new plan, starting with Abraham. Gives us three main family pictures. Abraham's family, Jacob's Abraham's family, Isaac's family, especially Jacob and Esau, and Jacob's family. And those are connected by, again, genealogies. And then it gets into the book of Exodus. And here we start in three different places. For the rest of, of those four books, there's, we're going to be in three different places. First of all, Egypt, and then a journey, and then Sinai, Mount Sinai, and then a journey, and then the plains of Moab. So let's look at that here. So back to this, God, God's beginning to build a new kingdom of justice. And so here's the story. We start out in Egypt. They take this journey. And we've gotten now right to, we're about to enter Mount Sinai. Pastor Andrew's finally going to get to preach on Exodus 19. And we're going to talk about Mount Sinai. Then there's another journey up to here. And that's, that's the layout of how the kind of outline of the rest of the book. So we started in Egypt. Then we talked about the journey. So in Egypt, what happened? God delivered them from the powers, principalities, the things that were holding them down. He delivered them. They didn't, they were crying out, but they didn't really hardly ask for it. God fulfilled his covenant to Abraham and delivered them. He delivered them before they asked for it. He gave them redemption. He bought them out of their slavery and redeemed them. Like some of these people were talking about being delivered from what had bound them, what some of us have experienced. God delivering us from what has kept us in bondage. And then they went on a journey, and God protected them. He provided food for them and manna for them. And, and, he, and, and as some people are going to go out into the world, you're going to be dependent on God to provide for you, to protect you, and to give you wisdom and other things that God provided. Now they get to Mount Sinai, and they're going to spend the next year at Mount Sinai. And all the way from here, the rest of Exodus, all of Leviticus into Numbers 10, we're going to be at Sinai. And we're going to be seeing what's happening and also what God is giving. And now, when we think about these, the laws or the, the instructions that God gives at Sinai, remember that they're in a story. Not just a story, but an experience that these people had. Out of that experience and out of that relationship, God gives them some guidance and instruction. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that. So my question, is the Torah for today? Now, where were we in time? We're at 1400 B.C. We're talking 3,400 years ago, or 1250 if you want to pick that number. We're not exactly sure when. So is something 3,500 years old relevant for today? Well, we say yes, because this is what Paul said to Timothy. He said, Timothy, you've been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood. Now, what holy scriptures was Timothy taught? The Torah. Exactly. He was taught what we call the Old Testament, and especially the Torah. He was taught that from, by his mom and his grandma especially. He was taught that from childhood. So he goes on and says all scripture, meaning all of that Old Testament, all the Torah, is inspired by God and he's useful. So Paul says to Timothy, it's useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what's wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. 
Some of the rabbis said this was the new creation. In the, in the first creation, God separated the light and the darkness and, the, and, and, and formless things and chaos into order. And in the new creation, he separated right from wrong and told us what was, how we should live. So God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Remember, they were called to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation to do every good work. This is so that we can do the work God has called us to. So yes, the Torah is for today. But no, the Torah is not for today. I don't know if anybody has seen this uh, new show called The Year of uh, called Living Biblically, and there was a previous uh, uh, book by A.J. Jacobs called The Year of Living Biblically. He's an agnostic Jew. He thought, you know, maybe I could be a better person if I just followed all the instructions in here. So he, he decided to follow all the instructions, and he said, oh, we're not supposed to have any mixed clothing, so he went and changed his clothes, and he rented a sheep, and he did all kinds of silly things to, to uh, try to live biblically, is what he said. Now there's a TV show uh, with a similar thing, and along the way, he found some interesting things that he's kind of, kind of uh, helpful, he thinks, in instruction. So, um, so he's making, it's, it's, it's a humor. I mean, this is a sitcom, The Year of, of Living Biblically. And it, and it shows how if you follow all of the instructions, um, it's silly. That's kind of that's what it comes to. So, and let me tell you, it's true. If you follow all these instructions... Just like a catalog, it'll be silly. And that's, that's clearly what he's doing. Okay, he didn't want to enter into actually a relationship with God. He didn't want to enter into a, any, anything like that. He just wanted to try, to try out some instructions. Um, and let me, let me give an illustration. If, if somebody wanted to be part of your family, and they took all the instructions that your mother and father ever gave you and wrote them out in a, in a catalog... And then said, okay, let me try it for a year and see if I can become a Johnson. Would it work? If you wanted to be a Rasmussen, like my, and you took my, Virgil and Ruth, my parents' instructions, you'd recorded all of them that they'd ever told to me, and you said, okay, I'm just going to follow these, I'm going to wash my hands, and I'm going to clean up after dinner, and I'm going to weed the garden. And would that make you a Rasmussen? No. That doesn't make you a Rasmussen. It's part of a relationship that you, you have to be, enter into. And, and my parents did something for me that brought me into a relationship, a relationship that gave them some uh, permission to tell me to wash my hands and do the dishes and weed the garden. Because I ate from that garden. And I ate off the dishes too. And it was something to do with that relationship <laughs> that made it happen. Now, it is possible to enter into some other relationship. My wife... Uh, she decided to become a Rasmussen, and my, uh, my father stood in front of the two of us, and she said, I do. She became a Rasmussen, and I became a horse auger, and that was kind of, and now we have a relationship, and we try to follow the instructions to try to figure out how do we do a family together. Um, so is the Torah for today? Well, not if you take it as a list of instructions separate from a relationship, separate from an experience, separate from a story, and you just try to follow all the details. This is A.J. Jacobs' year of following health advice. You can see he looks just as silly when he tries to follow health advice. Um, he does this every, every once in a while. He gets a new, a new kick that he's going to be on and write a book about. And uh, so they're humorous books. Um, so 
The real question is, how is the Torah for today? Because yes, the Torah is for today. We believe that. And no, it's not for today as just some list of rules that you just obey as if... So the question really is, how is the Torah for today? So we have to ask some other questions to get to that. How do we understand what it meant then? What did it mean in its context? What did it mean for those people at that place at the foot of Mount Sinai? So you try to compare it to today and what we would like it to say, it's not going to make sense. But compare it to the Code of Hammurabi, which is in a similar context in Mesopotamia, and you can see how it's different from the nations around it. And we'll do that as we go more into, into the situation. One of the ways it's different is it's not just a list of codes. It's a, a story. It's a narrative. And one of the ways it's different is it brings together religious and secular and economics. And it has a whole structure as well as value system to it. Anyway, we'll talk more about a lot of the ways that it's different from the laws that were around. And yet, not entirely different. Um, what was the purpose? What was the purpose of the whole thing? Well, it was a purpose to make them a kingdom of priests and a holy nation who would minister to all the other nations of the world, right? And then what was the purpose of each law? Why did God ask them to do that particular instruction? Why give that particular guidance? And how did that fit into making a just society? And then we need to ask, how do we apply that to our current context? But you've got to know what the purpose of the thing was in its context first, and then make sense of our context, and then build the bridge between. You have to be clear about where you are. You also have to be clear about where it was so that you can walk across that bridge between and bring it back here and bring the questions from here back to there. And I think... We've been really confused about the Torah and God's law, and even maybe especially about the Ten Commandments. So the first part of our series is going to be called, somebody remember what it was going to be called? <laughs> What's the series called? God's, God's vision for his people. The first part is God's vision for his people in ten words. Because it's technically ten words. It's not, we call it ten commandments, but the real word is ten words. So God's vision for his people in ten words. That's going to be the first part of our series. That will carry us to December. Um, as we look at this piece of Exodus. So how do we understand what it meant then in its context? What was the purpose of each piece of it? And then how do we apply that to our current context? Those are the kind of questions, because the real question is, how is the Torah for today? We believe it is, but not in some silly way, just like directly applied. That, let me ask you a question. Do you think we should follow the Constitution of the USA? Yes? Do we have agreement on that? Okay. We should follow the Constitution of the USA. Here's Chester Wood, my mentor. Uh, says this, what we absolutely must not do is to read the law of Moses as if it were only a moral code of personal ethics. Like the Ten Commandments is telling you what to be. It contains a moral code of personal ethics, at least of sorts, but it is primarily a constitution dealing with the construction of a just society. 
How do we create a just society, a people of God? How did they in Israel create a just society, and what can we learn from them? That's the better question. We need to ask a better question. So we talked about the just society and how it contains instructions and guidance for how to relate to God in a, in a proper way. And, and there's instructions. Now, there's all these instructions about sacrifices and the temple and the tabernacle. Remember that they were already redeemed when they got these instructions. They were already saved. They didn't sacrifice to become Christians, to become saved, to become... They were already saved. This was how to maintain or restore relationship with God. There were a lot of instructions about how to relate to each other, especially to, um, to the poor, the widow, the alien, the orphan. There's, in, there's instructions about who is going to administer the law, the priests and the, the judges or the kings, others. Um, and there's instructions about the land and how to relate to the land, how to relate to creation. And so instructions about economics, things like the Sabbath and letting the land lie fallow so that it can uh, re have a rest. Um, so it's uh, instructions about how to create a just society. Um, so you said you think we should follow the Constitution of the USA. Do you believe in slavery? What, that African Americans should be three-fifths of a person? But you said you believe in the Constitution of the USA. And, <laughs> oh, okay, Isaiah said mostly, all right. He is not entirely sure about the Constitution of the USA. Um, because in the Constitution of the USA, it says that African, you know, every, every slave gets three-fifths of a vote, who are African-Americans at the time, gets three-fifths of a vote, but they don't actually get to give the vote. Somebody else gets to vote for them, they're, but they count as three-fifths. Remember that stuff? It's been a while since you had your classes in high school, huh? Um, we kind of ignore that stuff, but... Let's think about some comparisons between the Torah for Israel and the Constitution for the USA. The authors were seeking a more just society so that we could form a more perfect union as part of the Constitution, right? And God was trying to create a just society. The authors did not write to you personally. If you open up the Constitution of the USA, it will not read like it was written to you today. It does not say, Dear Ken... Here's how I'd like you to live. And if you open up the Torah, it's not going to say, Dear Ken, here's how I'd like you to live. We tend to try to make it that way. Um, it was written addressing a very different context. For example, there was slavery in the USA. There was slavery in, uh, and there were very different kinds of slavery, but there was slavery in the time that, the, that this was written. It was addressing a different context. And in fact, the Torah was addressing a very different context. At least this was written in this country, not to anyone who was here. And very few of us even has, okay, my wife's on one side. She can go back to the Daughters of the Revolution. But most of us got grafted in later, right? Somehow we ended up being part of this thing. And it's written to a different context, but that's at least in English. And it's at least only 200 and some years ago. We're talking 3,400 years ago in a totally different language of Hebrew, that we're trying to make sense of. So it takes us a little bit longer to try to figure out what the context was there. Um, it was also planned for future revisions and applications. In the Constitution, they said, here is how you can revise this Constitution. And we have 
as a people revised it so there is no more slavery. And so African Americans get one vote. And uh, they get to vote themselves. At least we hope so. Where we try to make the, we try to make the Constitution work, right? Um, and it's planned for future revisions. You know, God wasn't like stupid, like he didn't think that anything would ever change. So that, oh, what? Now they're doing something different and I gave this law and now it doesn't apply? Even in Deuteronomy, they're already adjusting it from the Sinai situation to the being in the land situation. And the prophets adjusted some more. And, and in Acts, we saw how they adjusted some more. And God was planning that. They take care of widows, orphans, and the alien, but they do it in different ways at different times. Back in the law, they did it by you marry your, the widow of your brother. That's how you take care of them. In Acts, they sold land so that they could take care of the widows. Um, we, there are different ways, but the purpose remains, and God continues to do it. But although all of that's true, there are still many implications for our society and our life, right? So I think we should follow the Constitution of the USA. I really do. As it's revised, as it's interpreted, as we hopefully do better, we, we hope. And we want to revise, we want to follow the, con the Constitution that God made with Israel his, as his dream for his people as he's revised it, as he's applied it, as we can do it in our context. But it takes some work. Some people do a lot of work trying to figure out what that Constitution meant, don't they? And there's some people who do a lot of work trying to figure out what God was saying to Moses on Mount Sinai and how that can apply to us today. Um, I gave you just a little bit of work. I'm sorry, you know, it's hard for a teacher not to give home, homework, you know, but, and, and, and readings, four pages. I just gave you four pages that you can go home and read. It's, it's just out of Christianity today. I didn't produce the, the full color, uh, learning to love Leviticus. Chris Wright is a, is a great scholar and also works with, uh, works with um, Langham and Missions. Um, so oh, we're doing okay. We still have some time here. I was I was so worried we weren't going to have any time that I was uh, I was uh, rushing and cutting back here. So we, let's. Um, I want us to focus though on, on one piece of this. So I mentioned that things were things were. Uh, a few of the things that were different from some of the other laws. For example, all the other laws, the king says his law. And his word is law, and that's, that's the law, the Code of Hammurabi. Here, it's actually God's law. It's not the king's law. God gives the law, and therefore, he addresses every member of Israelite society in some way. They're responsible to God in some way. And what I want you to see is that it's based in a relationship, and in an experience, I already commented on this a little bit, but this is an eagle. In Scripture, eagles are known for two things. One is that they're very protective of their young. They stay in the nest the whole time the young are there. 
usually one of them's there, and they're caring very deeply and compassionately for their young. Of course, they're also known as fierce protectors, and, and they're predators that uh, really, <laughs> you don't want to mess with an eagle. Um, and you don't want to mess with an eagle's eaglets, <laughs> for sure. Um, and God uses this very thing when he talks to Moses. He says, the Lord called him from the mountain and said, Give these instructions to the family of Jacob. Announce it to the descendants of Israel. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians. You know how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. That's the picture is he was fierce with Pharaoh and the Egyptians, just like an eagle would be. And then the way that an, e an eaglet, when it, when it falls, when it's being trained how to, how to fly, they, they will let the eaglet fall and then swoop under and, carry, and pick up the eaglet and carry them until they learn how to fly. So God is saying, like that eagle, I was fierce in delivering you, in redeeming you, in taking against the powers that held you bound, and I have delivered you, and I've carried you on eagle's wings, and I brought you to myself. That is the ultimate destination that God is wanting to bring them to. And he here now offers them. He's brought them to Sinai. He delivered them from Egypt. He's cared for them in this journey. He's brought them to Sinai, and he says, okay, I've done all this for you. Now I'm ready to make a marriage. I'm ready to make a covenant. I'm ready to make really a treaty. It's in the form of an ancient treaty between a conqueror and a people. And he says, now if you will obey me and keep my covenant, my agreement, you will be my own special treasure from all the peoples on earth, for all the earth belongs to me. And you will be, I didn't get it on there because I highlighted the other part. And you will be my kingdom of priests and a holy nation. They were designated to be God's kingdom of priests and a holy nation. You know, that's a special job. If you look through what the priest does, the priest has to wear special things, has to be set apart, holy, different. Leviticus, the theme of Leviticus is you should be holy as I am holy. This society is supposed to reflect who God is, his holiness, his justice. People should see us following his guidance and say, that's what Yahweh is like. I can see it now. Because that's the way they relate to each other. Even in the New Testament, Jesus said, people will say, look at how they love one another. Right? And so that, but, you know, the funny thing is, a lot of us, do we want the job of priest? Do we want all those Special things that go with it. You got to wear the funny clothes and you got to bathe all the time and you got to offer sacrifices and yeah, you get to eat a lot of meat from the altar, but you know, he's called us as we're grafted into this to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. But we're going to have to be different from the rest of the world if we're going to do that. We have to be holy like a priest is holy. Um, let me just read a little bit of this. In the biblical context, the commands are not abstractions of ethical principles. They're woven into a specific account in which the Lord had delivered, forgiven, redeemed, and formed the people. 
He's talking about this verse. In the preceding chapter, the Lord invited them into a special relationship as a kingdom of priests in relationship to the other nations in the world. And the people had accepted this invitation. We see that they accept this. Right, this is the chapter before the Ten Commandments, the, God's vision in ten words. Um, he delivered them from bondage, and now he's making them as people. The law provided boundaries and instructions that protected and sustained the freedom introduced by the Exodus. We need to have our freedom protected and sustained. These laws were not the basis of the people's relationship with the Lord, as we have seen, but rather the Lord's salvation was the basis of the laws. We do not get that backwards. Do not think that if I don't commit adultery, God will love me more. If I don't steal, if I don't murder, if I just have one God and no idols, then God will be pleased with me. No. That's backwards. God already delivered them. He already redeemed them. He already said, you're my people. And then he said, so here's how to, some guidance as a family if we're going to get along. Here's how you, I want you to reflect my character. And because he'd done all that, because they'd accepted, because they'd come to the altar and said, I do, he had a right to say, okay, here's what we're going to do. Um, this is the beginning of the ten words. Then God gave the people all these instructions, or it's words in Hebrew. I am Yahweh, I am the Lord your God, who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of slavery. That is the start. That is the foundation. That is where we begin. And then we go on to say, have no other gods before me, and the, and the other pieces of these words. That's the foundation first. The law is secure. It's the necessary foundation. The law secured a new community order and a means of remembering through future generations that they were a delivered people. They remained delivered because they were also a commanded people. Some commentators have argued that the sociality of the commandments or the relationships was a bill of rights that sustained the newly delivered community. The commandments provided a way for the liberated slaves to maintain order and guaranteed the benefits of their freedom. The commands against idols prevented the false bondage of Egypt's prolific sanctuary, statuary, all, the, all their idols. I've, I've seen them. They had a lot of idols. Um, Sabbath rest provided respite for all workers. Honoring parents protected the integrity of extended families, intentionally broken in slave economies. No stealing and no false witness mitigated against economic exploitation. The purpose of the commands was to restrict the forces and tendencies that would diminish healthy freedoms in human society. The point is to keep us free. The point is to keep us as his people. The point is to enable us to be that kingdom of holy priests. The kingdom, a, a nation that's different. Now this is, right notes, we're hinting on the Ten Commandments here. Right notes, the values of modern society. Are they, as the Torah for today? He says the values of modern society have reversed and inverted the commands. Covered, coveting, which is the 10th command, is our priority. We expect sexual license. We ignore extended family, and we view God as irrelevant. We put 10 as number one. 
Be sure to covet. It helps the economy. And we go down from there. God, maybe, whatever. The commands that God gives were, they provided for God, family, faithful sexuality, and property protection in that order. God was first. God was number one. God was the foundation. So are they for today? Well, yes. They're for today. But no, we don't want them. We want it our way. We want it upside down. We want it backwards. How's it working for our society? Come on, let's be honest. You know, when I come to a red light, you know, know, yellow, kind of turning red, I just as soon get through because I got places to go. All of us are like that. But what happens to our society when everyone goes through red lights? whole lot of accidents, a whole lot of brokenness, a whole lot of pain. Let's be honest, our society is full of a whole lot of brokenness and pain. And it's not an accident. We got it backwards. We don't want to live in deliverance. We don't want to serve God. We want to serve ourselves. If I want to go through that red light, I'm going to do that. There's a... There's a uh, it's claimed to be a true story. I don't think it is about some basketball player. But he's coming up to a, coming up to a red light, and the guy riding with him says, "Hey, the light's red." So he goes right through. He's, "Don't do that." He says, "Why did you do that?" He says, "Well, my cousin, my cousin, I don't know what it was. My cousin Nick told me to drive, and then Nick, he, that's how he that's how he drove. He taught me how to drive." He says, "Well, that's dangerous." Comes up to the next one. He 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 goes right through. He goes, "What are you doing?" He says, "My cousin Nick taught me how to drive, and that's how I drive." So, but you're going to kill yourself. This is dangerous. He comes up, then he comes up to a green light and slams on a brake. What are you doing? My cousin Nick taught me how to drive. He might be coming through the light. <laughs> and that's how it is. <laughs> if we just follow however we felt like or my cousin Nick taught me, um, we end up with a society where we don't know whether we can go forward or not. It's not all that free when everybody gets to do their own thing. Yeah, I like to do my own thing. I'll be honest, when I'm biking and I come to the four-way stop and there's nobody there, how much do I slow down? How much do I stop and get up? You know, I, you know um, I'm confessing my sins here. Um, so... We, but how do we, so I want you to see that this is based in a relationship. It's based in experience. It's a, it's a love letter. This is a love, it comes to a marriage. And they say yes. And God says great. And they say, and here's the guidance. I'm the one who delivered you. Wow. God wants to deliver you if he hasn't delivered you. And maybe there's some things he still needs to deliver you from. God is ready to deliver you. He is like that eagle that wants to protect you, wants to care for you, wants to teach you how to fly. 
And he has some guidance to help you live, help us live in a just society. Help us. He's got a vision for his people. He had a vision for his people, Israel, and he's got a vision for how he wants that to look for us. So we're just starting. This is just introduction. Andrew's going to kick us off into really getting to Exodus 19, and then we're going to go through the commands, well, the words, God's vision for his people in 10 words. But I want you to start with this basis. There's a lot of good stuff to learn, and I'm excited about it. I've been learning a lot already. And we're going to look at it a different way than you've looked at it before, and I think we're going to learn some new things. And I think there's a whole lot for us today. But it starts with, are you delivered? Are you redeemed? Are you willing to let Jesus be your redeemer, your rescuer, your deliverer? And are you willing to enter into that covenant with him that says, yes, I will be your people. I will follow your instructions. I will do what you guide me to do. I will... Do this. Now, A.J. Jacobs didn't take nearly the risk that it is to really follow this. Because really following this means you're a lot more different than you wear white stuff and you have a sheep. It's a lot harder to do the stuff that God really wants to guide us into. But it's a lot more freedom. A lot more justice. A lot more beauty as a people as well as as an individual if we follow his instructions, his guidance. But I got to ask you first, are you delivered? Do you want to be delivered? Or do you want to do your own thing? Want to do your own thing? Good luck. I hate to come pick up the pieces after your accident, but um, or do you want to live in freedom? Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for delivering us. Thank you for redeeming us. Thank you for fulfilling your covenant. Thank you that when we had rebelled and gone against you and gone our own way, you still sought us out. Thank you that when we were in bondage to the powers, you delivered us. Thank you that you're ready to deliver us. Lord, we admit that we keep going back there. We keep going back into our addictions and our bondages. We keep wanting to go back to Egypt. But you have delivered us. And we want to live in that freedom. Not just as individuals, we want to live as your people. We want to fulfill our mission and our purpose in this world as a people. We want to be a holy nation, different, set apart, like you, holy like you. We want to be a kingdom of justice, with just relationships, loving relationships among us and in our society around the people to around the people around us. Lord, we know that people around us, these Ten Commandments weren't meant for them. They were meant for us who were delivered. We need to show them what it looks like 
to be a delivered, redeemed, following people. So Lord, we ask you to help us. Because the other thing we know is that we can't do it without your power. The Israelites couldn't do it. Nobody can do it without your enabling. And Jesus, when you came, you sat on a different mountain and preached a sermon that just made these laws harder. You said it wasn't enough to not commit adultery. We had to not lust. It wasn't enough to not murder. We had to not hate. You said, even if you think you might have followed these laws, you can't follow them without my grace and my help. The way the laws, the spirit of the law was really intended. So God, we come to you and we say, deliver us. Enable us. Instruct us. Guide us. We commit to follow you. We commit to obey you. And we don't even know what kind of risk that is to say that. But as a people, we want to follow you. We commit our lives, our families, our children, our money, our hopes, our dreams, our happiness, our, all the things that we might cling to. We give them to you because we want to be your people. We want to be yours because you said you delivered us with eagles' wings to bring us to yourself. We want to worship you. And God, in the places where we're reluctant, hesitating, not sure if we want to fully commit, I pray that your Holy Spirit would enable us. I pray that as we read your word, you would bring that joy and freedom into our lives. Thank you, Lord, for doing what only you can do. Thank you for delivering us, for showing us the way, and for 